0: This is the Walk the Walk podcast with me, Haley Morgan. Okay, I have an apology to make. I heard from the kindest, nicest lady in America about the first two episodes of the Walk the Walk podcast. This is the third episode, if you're wondering. Anyway, she said she loved the content, but that I both woke up her baby and almost blew out her speakers with the sound differential of the intro voice content And the intro music. I am no audio mixer or podcast producer over here, but I'm bound and determined to get better at this whole thing, and I'm grateful you've stayed with me so far. So I'm sorry if A, I woke up your baby, or B, I blew out your speakers, or your actual eardrums. I promise this episode will make up for it. Ruth Simons is the woman I watch online. She worked quietly in obscurity raising her boys and speaking into the lives of a few women privately for years. She picked up her paintbrush as worship and obedience and now she's speaking to thousands of women at a time. She certainly wouldn't equate the more to being better than the few, not at all. She sees Jesus himself as the prize of obedience, more of Jesus, always more of Jesus. Ruth has six sons. She speaks a language of scripture, of creativity, of tenderness, and also a strong dose of how the world really is. She lives a life that looks full of adventure and excitement, but that is equally grounded in the truth of God. Truth is, I want Ruth to be my mom, but I will gladly settle for calling her my friend. I can't wait for you to hear more about the way Ruth walks the walk as a mother.
1: grew up with a mom who had heard the gospel in her younger youth group years and, and things like that, and she thought she was a believer, but it really wasn't until I was in kindergarten or first grade that um, a woman in the States, when we immigrated here, started taking her to BSF and um, really showed her the the beauty of God's word and what the gospel really was all about, and I think that's when my mom really started seeing True change in her life. And so I really didn't start going to church and um, actually encountering Christ um, and the Word of God until about, you know, it's just many years of being at home talking about a little bit, but I really didn't come to know the Lord until eighth grade. And, you know, I really felt hard for, wow, there is a God who loves me. But I don't think I truly understood the full sense of, okay this is substitutionary. Like I, I have sin and he paid for the price for that. And now I've been given new life. I don't think I understood that until later on in high school. And, and as many people, um, as the story goes for a lot of folks, um, it is that progressive understanding where you give your life to the Lord at one moment in time, but that sanctification process really opens your eyes to truly how you're saved and what you're saved from. So I, um, yeah, somewhere in there between eighth grade and uh, my junior in high school is when I really wrestled with the gospel and and came to have a true personal relationship with Christ.
0: Do you think that your mom, like really meeting the Lord at BSF, at Bible Study Fellowship, Mm -hmm. Bible Study Fellowship, yeah? right,
1: right. Um,
0: Do you think that that, you have a rich love of scripture, and uh, I feel like so much of your I don't know. The expression of your faith is very grounded in scripture. Do you think that that mm-hmm. comes from your mom's like early days
1: as a believer? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say first first of all that I think that BS, what BSF did was bring in discipleship and actually reading the text itself and understanding mm-hmm. um, the the Word of God. But honestly, my heritage and the the churches I grew up in, I think a lot of times scripture wasn't the focus. I don't think there was a whole lot of going back to what God's word actually says. I think a lot of what I was raised around seemed to be cultural and mm-hmm. a lot of times um, was based a lot more of what the pastor or a teacher or a youth leader said about what the word said. So quite frankly, I don't think there was a lot of anchoring to God's word in my um home growing up Mm -hmm. or um, even in the early years of going to church. It wasn't until I um, was in college when I was really faced with Matthew 5 through um, my Baptist Student Union director, who is now um, the Dean of Students over at OBU. Who I got to spend some time with last week. I was gonna I was say I there. thought
0: that I saw you. Yeah. That okay. That puts yes. some flesh on that for me.
1: So full circle. So yeah. full circle because he has been um, the the dean over there for um, almost two decades now, and I invited me back to speak. I never went mm-hmm. there, but he invited me into his ministry now to speak in chapel. And um, early on in college, I just remember at one point he really. Um, you know, just talked about Matthew five, about us really not being able to meet the standards that God sets and that there really isn't a way to fulfill the law in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, why haven't I not really read this? Like, why do I not understand? Like I read all the, I read all the parts of scripture that feel good and Mm -hmm. sound like really that, that encouragement I need and that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I can do all things through Christ Mm -hmm. who strengthens me and that God loves me and he saved me. But what about this whole thing with law and what about the whole thing of like, I really like grace really is this costly thing that Mm -hmm. I haven't wrestled with. And so then my love affair with scripture wasn't born out of having really just spent so much time in God's word. It was really born out of me realizing I had a very shallow faith Mm -hmm. and that my faith was actually only service deep. I needed to go to the next pep rally, the next. Um, church service to glean anything that I personally did not have a rich walk with the Lord based on scripture. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what you see online now is me um, working through it. And as you've beautifully written Mm -hmm. yourself, it's me preaching the truth to myself. Mm -hmm. It's me saying, I absolutely need to anchor myself in God's word because my natural disposition is to just take somebody else's word for it Mm -hmm. or to just go off a popular opinion or just actually think that I have something to say um, in myself because I'm, I think I'm pretty clever, right? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, so that's what Grace Laced is really based off of is recognizing that I need the, the gospel and I need the grace of God laced and woven through everything of my everyday life. And I have to start with God's word in that.
0: Mm-hmm. What does, in light of that, in light of all those things, what does your time
1: with the Lord look like? Mm. Well, I I know that you and I share it, the, the commonality of wanting to be really raw and mm-hmm. honest and not mm-hmm. like just give the Christian pat answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say it's changed a lot and it changes all the time. Yeah. And so, um, I wish I could say, Oh my goodness, for 20 years now I've been blank right. and it's not that <laughs> way. Um, my husband is pretty routine based. He mm-hmm. gets up at 6am every single day and follows his ESV reading plan. And I don't, mm-hmm. um, there was a season of my life where I very much, um, had my alarm set at 5:45, mm-hmm. and I knew how to do it exactly that way. Mm-hmm. But you know what, for me personally, and we're all built differently, but for Definitely. me personally, that became something I became really, um, out of legalistically, yeah. and I think I started feeling like, well, surely everything should go right in my day because I had that thirty minutes, mm-hmm. and I set my alarm clock, and I made sure he was first.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But what I realized in that season of my life was that sometimes he really wasn't first in my heart; he was just first in my schedule. And a lot of times, I banked on um, giving him my schedule in a way that I felt like I earned his favor. Um, and so I really confronted that in my own life. And so what it looks like now is that I still give him my heart first. I still turn to him first thing in the morning and I don't, um, I lay in bed and I literally start my morning off praying and saying, Lord, um, when my feet touch the ground, I'm going to start stressing about Mm -hmm. a few things that my natural disposition wants to stress about every single day of my life, anxious thoughts, Mm -hmm. lots of things that I feel like I, I can't, um, deal with. And, and most days, Haley, most days I do open my, open the word and I go and get a cup of coffee and I sit with him. But a lot of days I get up and I had to stay up late for some Mm -hmm. other thing going on. And I didn't get up as early as I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And my staff being two hours ahead of me, sometimes they work on the East coast. I have hit the ground running with work. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the, um, that's an honest answer that I have to give in that, no, not every morning starts with the slow, beautiful time with the Lord, where I can spend an hour in God's word. Most of the time I have to say, wow, Lord, um, keep me, um, thinking on the word this morning, keep me thinking on you, but I've got to tackle a few of these things are time sensitive. Mm -hmm. And then I come back during, um, the afternoon hours, or it's the last thing before bed. Mm -hmm. Um, I truly do think that our days are affected and shifted by, us giving him our first fruits, of course. Mm-hmm. But that may not look the same in every season of our lives and there's grace for that. And a mom who gets up in the middle of the night with her babies is not gonna necessarily be able to get up at five forty five or six AM and have an hour when little ones are asking, screaming for breakfast.
0: Yeah. I think that's wise. I think that there's a lot of freedom in the way that we express that in the way that we mm-hmm. come to the Lord. I am with you that my heart is bent toward pride when it comes to when mm-hmm. I'm doing it well. Um, right. And doing it well is like who, what even is that? But mm-hmm. I have had to confront that in my heart too, of just like, yes, first in my schedule, but I could also just turn that off then for the rest of the day, um, mm-hmm. and not not come to him in need and not come to him
1: mm-hmm. kind of
0: empty, and yeah, I think that there is there's the ebb and the flow, and sometimes it's our it's our working out of our calling and our service that is where we meet the Lord.
1: I think that so much of, um, North American Christianity is oftentimes formulaic based, right? We want to mm-hmm. know what a tithe is mm-hmm. and we want to say that's that 10% when really doesn't God really ask us for way more than, yeah. you know, what, whatever that number is, it really isn't bound to 10% right at yeah. the end of the day. In the same way, if you look at Deuteronomy six, mm-hmm. the real idea of, um, teaching and going and constantly speaking the, the, the rich history of what God's faithfulness has done in our lives, that is an ongoing all the time thing. Mm -hmm. And so I think we talk about quiet times as if quiet time can be that quiet moment that we give to the Lord. And then the rest of the day is ours. Mm -hmm. But instead, if we look at it biblically, worship is ongoing, never ending. Mm -hmm. Now I think the part that we forget though, is that it does take work that it does take concentration and that study does matter because in the same way that you can't run a marathon Mm -hmm. unless you've actually like practiced Mm -hmm. and worked out and worked up to it, Mm -hmm. you really won't memorize scripture or know God's word or be aware of like really doctrinal theological principles that you should wrestle with Mm -hmm. unless you spent time in the word. So yes, time in our culture is a commodity that's hard to come by. And so we do have to give time, but I think maybe we have to shift our paradigm about what worship and devotions and devotional time and quiet time looks like. Because in my life right now, what I am what I think is more sacrificial and more really communing with the Lord is if I am never not worshiping and never not yeah. communing with Him. And that means that we talk about Him in the car, mm-hmm. we talk about Him in the grocery line, we talk about him when kids are fighting. Mm-hmm. We talk about him on the phone when I'm talking to a staff member. Mm-hmm. And so there isn't a separation there. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of a new, um, not new, but it's a, it's a paradigm shift for me to say what's most sacrificial isn't that I carve out 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. What, is a, light, what is, a, is a true offering and a true sacrifice of praise is actually if I give him everything all the time. So,
0: you have six little boys. I have four. So, we have like a small army of boy children. It's amazing. I know. Yeah. So, your, your boys span in what ages?
1: My oldest is 16 now, and okay. my youngest is five. So, okay. I'm not so little anymore. I He's know. like
0: a man child. I know. A so, a lot of my friends are kind of looking at how do they disciple their children? How do mm-hmm. they kind of help them? walk with the lord. What has that mm-hmm. looked like in different seasons for you mm-hmm. guys cuz I mean there's a big difference between a 5-year-old and a 16-year-old in Oh sure. the way yep. that you kind of speak into their life. But can you mm-hmm. maybe tell me a little bit about that and maybe think to when they were little and then mm-hmm. kind of as it's gone.
1: Yeah. I think when your children are little, you have to remember that of what you're doing is training them to know how to tie their shoes, take the next step, not scream and freak out when they don't get things their way. I mean, that's your day. Your day is like simply, oh my goodness, eat over your bowl so that you're not spilling all (laughs) over the ground. And so talking about the Lord and showcasing who God is and why we want a relationship with him always comes within the teachable moments of those everyday moments. Right. And so I think when moms of littles are frustrated, it's usually because it seems like I'm saying all these things and they're really not getting it. Or I, or we had this like quiet time. We we had a family worship time and nobody sat still, but I really want to just say, well, nobody sits still at that age. And that's not a time when everybody's going to sit quietly in a row with their Bibles on their laps. Now you certainly should, um, just do them in increments. Start mm-hmm. with five minutes. Work up to it. It's not something we should give up on. But that's not your most teachable moment. When they're little, your most teachable moment is not when they're all sitting there still and ready for church. It's when um, you're you're working on something together, or you're coloring something together, or you're going on a um, on a ride, and you're waiting in the car line, and you're talking about some random thing. Or it's when they've disobeyed and you have to work through why it is that, you know, screaming for your own way isn't ever going to make you happy. Where Mm -hmm. does true happiness come from? And so I think we we shift because when they're little, your greatest energy is being poured into shaping their lives in ways that they don't even realize are teachable moments every day. They are they're broken and sad over not getting a toy. Mm -hmm. We'll use that moment to talk about how you as a mom don't Mm -hmm. get everything your way either. And so that's the teachable moment there. But as they get older, I think there are real conversations. Last night, my, um, my 14 year old was really brokenhearted about something. And it wasn't until the end of the day when everybody else went to bed and he was lingering around that, I set everything down and looked at him and said, You got something on your mind, right? And and then we just sat and had a big long talk about it. Mm-hmm. But it looks different as your kids get older because it becomes because your time is shifted differently. You don't have to tie their shoes anymore. Half mm-hmm. the time you don't even have to like prepare a snack. They know how to go and get that themselves. Yeah. They know how to get their schoolwork done. So when they get older, it's you have to schedule time. Where you don't have anything else going on, so that you can meet that need. Mm-hmm. Because if you fill your schedule with event after event, extracurricular things, people, you know, dinner dates, mm-hmm. if it's constantly busy, then that fourteen-year-old, or even that ten-year-old, isn't going to stop and bear their heart to you because there's yeah. no room. Yeah. And so, whereas when they're five, you don't have to ask them to bear their hearts. They're just, they <laughs> not snot nose crying it out all the time. Right. Yeah. Like, I just feel like I don't get any, You, know, nobody ever listens to me or, right. um, you know, and they're just always telling you everything that's on their minds, And you're, you're literally just shaping them, directing them back to like, you're unhappy today because of this. Let's talk about happiness. Let's talk about where, where our joy comes from, why you're unhappy. Mm-hmm. But as they get older, they don't share with you what's causing their unhappiness unless you set out the, the banquet table of relationship unless you say you know there's room here pull up a seat let's talk and so um it's a it's it looks different as they get older discipleship i think both has to happen within the routine of our homes like Mm -hmm. set it up so that people linger after Mm -hmm. dinner and there is time to read our bibles but also make time for things that are not routine um Mm -hmm. times when you're washing dishes together and somebody grows really quiet and you can simply ask What's on your mind? What's mm-hmm. going on?
0: Mm-hmm. Do you help? I'm kind. Of, my kids are at the age where I'm starting to try to help them start making practices in their own life, Mm -hmm. like trying to kind Mm -hmm. of build a scaffolding so that as they Mm -hmm. leave our house that they kind of have some of the tools of Mm -hmm. just practices and general following the Lord. Is there anything, have you guys just modeled that for them or have there been intentional ways that you try to teach that? What does does that look like for you guys? And I ask that in total like interest.
1: Well, I think you've really laid the perfect foundation by saying it that way because mm-hmm. absolutely you cannot teach anything that you don't model. Yeah. It is it you know Troy always likes to say Troy is my husband and he always yes. loves to say like more is caught than taught mm-hmm. because we can do you know Troy and I both love to give the big long lecture like it's hilarious how long I can go on and on about something. I love it. But if I haven't modeled it then um yeah, it's really not going to stick. And so so certainly if we want the scaffolding of um hey, the Bible is worthy mm-hmm. and our time with the Lord is worth it mm-hmm. and being in um, a local church body, that's worth it, then you actually do need to model that that is a priority, right? Mm-hmm. So we model that. But then we also make it possible for them to emulate that. If we, if we don't put up some boundaries for that, then, it's hard, then their natural disposition won't be to emulate those things. So we help them along by saying, hey, first thing in the morning, let's leave the phones over there
0: yeah,
1: and let's gather in the living room. So everybody knows that we're all going to be in the living room by 8 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Meet everybody in the living room. And when you come down the stairs and you see that your older brother and your dad and your mom and whoever else is, they've got their Bibles with them and they're sitting, having some time drinking coffee, that just becomes part of family culture. Yeah. And even if it's not legislated, even if it's not like, ooh, you've got to do it and you've got to check it out. Then you realize like it's modeled for you that it's beautiful, Mm -hmm. but there's some boundaries there that um, lets you know that you can't stay in your bedroom Mm -hmm. at eight o'clock. You have to come down and join everybody. Mm -hmm. And so um, that that's one way. um, But also I think it's anticipating what the distractions are and eliminating some of those things so Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, it's not, we're not anticipating that, they'll always make the right choices. We're saying, "Hey, I'm going to help you put some boundaries around your time and what you can and can't do." Like, no, you don't get, you know, time surfing on the net. Yeah. I mean, and and not, my, you know, only two of my kids have phones at this point. Right. But um but you make some of those boundaries especially with the internet, right? Especially with the with devices. But um no, video games are not a part of our everyday. Right. But we also do that not to be boring or rule really, real followers, but really just to say, we want to show you that there's time for more worthy things, but we have to instill that and make that possible for you to discover what those worthy things are Yeah, because, you know, you, you find time to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Did, do you have any, do you approach things differently with your kids who would profess to be followers of Jesus mm-hmm. with the ones who are maybe too little or haven't gotten there yet, do you approach things the same way or do have you kind of differentiated that as far as how you kind of move with Mm -hmm. the Lord with them?
1: I think we do. I don't, I mean, I certainly don't feel like we are so, um, it's, it's not that clean cut, you know, but I think we do in that Troy knowing that Caleb is professing and absolutely you know, shows the fruit Mm -hmm. of walking with the Lord. Mm
0: -hmm. There is
1: a call to repentance. There is a call to discipline. There is an absolute, like, um, these things need to be areas of growth in your life because Mm -hmm. I'm seeing them. I'm calling them out. I'm, I'm going to walk with you in it. I'm going to show you how you do that. Mm Um, I'm going to keep checking in with you about these things. And so we, when we see and know that a child, um, professes and shows fruit right. of faith, then we say, Well, look, this is how we can shape that fruit. And this is how you can dig your roots in deeper. If yeah. one of my children has never truly professed, then that conversation goes something like Let me tell you, I think that circumstance is happening in, in, happening in your life, son, because the Lord is pursuing your heart. Yeah. And until you know, until you come to him not just because your mom and dad love the Lord, but that you truly want to give your life over, this will be his way of constantly pursuing you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm speaking about it differently. I'm not asking him to immediately have, you know, a fruitful time in the word every day. Now, I still say, hey, as a family, we're going to spend time in the word. Yeah. But do I think he's going to love that time and be disciplined in it? No, not necessarily.
0: That's, I mean, I think even those like really tangible kind of views into, into the way that maybe some other people experience family life is really helpful because mm-hmm. not every, I didn't grow up in a Christian home and obviously, mm-hmm. you know, you're, the way you grew up doesn't exactly mirror the way that you're raising your kids. Just like mm-hmm. never happens that way. Right, but right. I think like, what a beautiful thing to be discipled by your parents first. I mean, I'm grateful yeah. that our kids kind of get that opportunity, and when I hear you say, like, I, I am going to call, kind of call you up, call you to what I know the Lord can do in your life, mm-hmm. um, and I'm also going to walk with you in it, and I'm going to show you how, that's mm-hmm. beautiful, and I mean, that doesn't feel like a heavy burden, that feels like a, an invitation, and mm-hmm. I think those things are also probably best first received from our parents that have really earned a lifetime mm-hmm. of relational capital. Hopefully, I mean, in the best circumstances, absolutely.
1: absolutely. And I think that that brings us back to the, you know, the overall I think par- parenting paradigm of saying if we want to be gospel directed parents, we're let's not be so. Crazy, hasty, eager for um, good behavior and food, yeah. right? Yeah. So whenever we're chasing that, that's when we are decreasing our relationship capital because we're just like, whatever we, whatever it takes, I just want you to behave. Right. I just want you to do the right thing. And then when it comes time to saying, hey, but guess what? It's the Holy Spirit and the work of the gospel that's going to cause you, then how does that line up? It doesn't right. line up at all. Right. And so instead we show like, As parents, we are called to love our children and model the grace of God in our lives. And yes, there is safety and welcome in the home that God's chosen to place this child in. You've been chosen to be that child's parent Mm -hmm. and your primary role is not to make them perform in a way that doesn't embarrass you, Mm -hmm. but rather for them to come to this progress, this process of knowing that Jesus loves them and has a plan for their lives Mm -hmm. and it starts with them turning their lives over to him in um, repentance and submission and that only happens as we show them that it's a beautiful thing through our welcome with Mm -hmm. them right Mm -hmm. I mean that invitation has to start if we're going to say God invites us to relationship with him we have to have that invitation with our own children and so we break that intimacy when we only chase after product and performance and um, perfection Mm -hmm. um and that's a that's a that's a default for most of us parents like i have to tell myself to stop doing that like it doesn't it's not that i'm so like naturally good at being like you know it's all is grace. Like it's not naturally that way. I'm naturally like you will do this and I don't care what's going on you will behave this way. Mm, I have to pull myself back and say okay Ruth the long game. What's the long game here? The long game isn't for them to behave perfectly in the next 30 minutes Mm -hmm. but for them to know why. That's
0: all for today's podcast. You can head to haleymorgancom slash walk the walk for today's show notes and more content from previous episodes. You can also find me at Haley, Morgan on Instagram in the meantime. Next week's episode features Liz Bohannon from Seiko Designs, and we are talking all about living so close to your community that you share a wall. You will not want to miss hearing more about her countercultural, wild, in the best way, kind of life.